our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. What brought you to Warwick? When did you get to Warwick? Uh, so when I moved in back in 96, I had a friend uh, whose house I uh, house set, which was in New Jersey, and uh, uh, born in New Jersey, actually. And uh, I live in the bi-state area. I'm like literally a couple of minutes away from New Jersey border. And... Uh, I was looking for places to work out, and the only place I could find and afford was a Taekwondo place in Warwick, New York. So that's why I moved, which was like literally a couple of miles. Wow. So you immigrated to the U.S. in 96? Correct. For when? Yes. For, from from my, where? Uh, from Moscow, Russia. Wow, that's fancy, bro. <laughs> yes. Moskvich, Gorod, Giro, Moskva. For sure. Uh, is, is there a specific area where you used to live in Moscow? Yes. Uh, so, um, uh, Okrug, right. So, uh, uh, Southwest, uh, region. I lived between, uh, uh, two big, uh, subway stations, Teoplistan and Yugoslavia, closer to Teoplistan, which uh, also happened to be right around the corner from Sambo 70, you know, the, one of the biggest and most prestigious academies, Sambo academies in the world. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, man. How old, how old were you when you immigrated to the U.S.? 21. Wow. Um, I, I'm curious what that was like uh, as a 21-year-old in a new country. Uh, you know, I, I spoke uh, pretty good English. Like uh, one of uh, uh, topic subjects I actually excelled in school was uh, English lesson. And uh, for people, for listeners that, don't, that do not know, uh, the highest grade you can receive in Soviet school is five five points so that's only uh that and gym class were the only ones like i had only fives and nothing else i love it why why those two uh i don't know man um well the physical culture obviously like you know like duh there's uh, no need to explain and uh english i don't know just uh took to it and expressed interest and i was always working extracurricular on english like i would do i, I was not a bad student I, w- I was pretty good at everything else too but I did not excel at everything else like I did in uh, English, let's say. And I just have a natural curiosity. I would like, uh, I was also a music lover. So whenever like, I get a record, I will be looking in a liner notes, trying to sing alone and understand what they sing. So long story short, I spoke pretty good. Uh, I spoke well. And uh, when I moved in, of course, some adjustments had to be made. I had to learn some American jargon, some idiom, idioms, some Americanisms, if you will. And just uh, 
and just basically get like fluidity and accent because uh, whenever you study English in Russia, it's Oxford English, you know, you say hot tea. And, yeah, yeah. And which was funny. I remember I was ordering at the diner hot tea and a waitress had to like uh, uh, repeat her question, like what I want, like 17 more times until my girlfriend at the time told her it was hot tea, you know? <laughs> I love it. It's funny yeah. that like a Russian person uh, might get what they want faster by saying chai than <laughs> a British person saying hot tea. Yes, it's hilarious. So, yeah, there was no particular difficulties or whatever. I mean, there were like financial difficulties, but I did not feel like fish out of water. Um, I was young and outgoing, so I was generally well received. And because I showed interest in American culture, I was accepted pretty well. You know, I, I was not like, oh, Russia is awesome. USA sucks, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, it was it was pretty smooth, you know, and uh, I was a bit of a metropolitan guy, so to speak, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, like, uh, I mean, I'm Russian, but it's not like I'm a proud, quote unquote, Russian. I didn't do anything to deserve to be proud to be Russian by itself, you know? I know yeah. that my, my country has like scientists and athletes and, uh, and of course, men in space, etc. But I personally did not do anything, you know? Uh, you know? Like, I, I want to be remembered like uh, for my own merits, not because I'm just simply a Russian, so to speak, you know? Yeah, you're just the fastest sperm. <laughs> in the role of the dice of the universe <laughs> yeah so i uh you know acclimated pretty fast uh, it was no problems uh later however you know so uh, i came in 96 and due to uh uh, uh document restrictions and traveling visas etc basically like documents bullshit i could not back ho- i could not go back home till 2003 and wow. about like 2001 uh, i was like depressed and extremely homesick which was not the case when i came i didn't care i was like oh you know, dude i was 21 years old you know what i'm saying i didn't know yeah. my for my elbow so uh yes with like wisdom and understanding where you're from like i was like super freaking depressed you know and the fact that i could not go only contributed to that you know so yeah but after i went back home and then came back like all that like uh got extinguished and like now i'm like i'm american man i'm, I'm a new yorker made from uh, russian parts at this point i love it i mean it's like cutting weight bro like yeah. you want all the things that you really don't want you just want them because you can't have <laughs> exactly 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 so all right like one of the things that comes to me when you talk about like being well received i mean you're a fucking savage mm. um like you. you are like how long have you been training uh, martial arts? I mean, would Sambo be considered a martial art? Uh, absolutely. Well, so listen, some people say martial arts is karate or kung fu and wrestling is just a sport. But if you look at the conquest history, right, like especially during like the like cold weapons uh, era with Mongols and, you know, pre-fire weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wrestling was the, the good best. the good old days, some might call them. Yeah, yeah, the good old, yeah, you can say that. Getting stabbed in the liver and dying, it's awesome. So, um Yes. Uh, so the wrestling outside of weaponry, the, the true martial art was uh, was uh, uh, wrestling, right? Because if you throw somebody down, you somewhat immobilize them so you can spear them or trample them with a horse. Like striking somebody with a sword or a shield is kind of stupid. But if you can t- trip them and take them down, then, you know, which is wrestling, then you can uh, capitalize on the situation. So wrestling was the original martial art before karate or, or percussive martial arts. So by that, uh, by that uh, merit, yes, Sambo is certainly is a martial art. Although when I was younger, I did not see it that way. Again, I was stupid. And like uh, I, I did get bought into the hype of like Asian martial arts. First time I saw Bruce Lee movie, freaking blew my mind, man. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, so Sambo Martial Arts. And to answer your question, sorry, I'm part Irish. Sometimes I go like deep in rabbit holes. Uh, since I was eight years old. Wow. I was training nonstop since eight. Who, who brought you to the academy? <laughs> Good question. So, uh, you know, my, my dad was my idol, you know, because he boxed, wrestled, and lifted, uh, was the beast of a man. And uh, I always had a, like a natural predisposition. You know, you know what? Can I tell you a little story about? Yeah, that? of course. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I got married, and my, my my two boys, my two stepkids, like did not want to do it, and I I could not understand. I'm like, what the hell? You don't want to train? I'll teach you everything. So I was I was a little boy, and my mom asked me to help her with uh, bags, with grocery bags, and man, they were heavy. You know, the bag was heavy, and uh, the handle kind of bunched up, and it was cotton into my fingers. You know. And I started to fucking whine and complain. Blah, blah, blah. And my mom looked at me. She didn't yell at me. She said, what kind of man are you? And dude, that's all she had to say, right? So uh, what I'm about to say was not as in crystal form, you know, but like the idea was that like in a split second, my world was like finalized. I was, uh, I was, uh, I understood what it is to be a man, my uh, role in society, you know, and what expected, how I'm expected to treat women, you know what I'm saying? So, again, I did not put it, like, in a crystal form, but all that uh, went through my head, and that's all she had to say. So, uh, Russian culture generally is very much machismo, very sexist. I, I told a couple of people that Russian men are the most chivalrous and, and the most sexist men, men ever, you know? So, uh, yeah, I was jumping at the beat to start training like nobody, like, I, I did not run away from the bullies. I did not want to train because my HDHD was bad. I just fucking wanted to train, man. And uh, so I had a cousin from Moldova. He was uh, st stationed in Moscow going to technical school to be a welder, actually. So uh, I would go to uh, to his workouts when I was like seven and a half or eight before I started training uh, legit. And man, it was awesome. It was like, you know, to me, it was like New Year. It was like like Christmas. I loved it. Of course, I did not train. All I wanted to do was just like kick the ball around and uh, get piggyback rides from my uh, cousin and his friends or whatever. And I was in absolute awe watching him train. And dude, it was like MMA because they wrestled, you know, everything. There was no particular style. It was sambo uh, driven, so to speak, a lot of actual sambo. But then they wrestled all sorts of uh, versions too, like Greco and freestyle. Then they put gloves and throw down. It was like freaking fight club, you know, it was like MMA. And uh, it, that just enamored me, you know, but I was eight and my cousin is 10 years old, you know what I'm saying? And he's like, you know what, Vlad, how about you train with your peers? And uh, he grabbed me by my hand. And uh, uh, like I said, Sambo 70 was literally two blocks away. I, I was able to walk there and uh, I stepped on the mat, fell in love from the first second and never looked back. I fucking love it. <laughs> piggy piggyback rides bro and kicking the ball are gateway drugs holy shit <laughs> absolutely is man and they were so acceptable i mean nobody like brushed me off you know they, they were awesome because sometimes you know when you train and the kid is in a in a gym or whatever and the kid is a bit of a high breaker because they don't know left from right and shit you know and i don't yeah. i just want to train with like my peers but no they were very nice to me and uh like uh, i'm so grateful that i had that kind of experience as opposed to like, you know, somebody who would not like a kid in a gym, you know? Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Because like, you know what it is? Like that guy doesn't love, if you don't love kids, you don't love martial arts. I and I know that's a fucking big statement, but it's just like, who's going to keep your lineage going? Yep. Yep. Like, who's going to, you, you don't teach kids. Okay. Cute. That's really cute. Do you have students that teach kids? No. Then your academy's dead. Like you, you nothing will live on. Yep. Wow. Incredible, bro. Yeah, yeah, lucked out. Like honestly, like uh, 
I had some, uh, you know, I generally hold myself accountable for everything that uh, happens in my life. Unfortunately, I had some events that were absolutely devastating and were absolutely out of my control. But for the most part, like, I'm pretty grateful. Like, a lot of good things uh, happened as well. For sure. For sure. What if, like, what are some of the things that happened, if you don't mind talking about it? And also, like, what did you do or who did you have to become to get to the other side of it? Well, it's kind of personal, but it's not a huge secret. I do let people know, you know, what I might, might as well just, like, uh, shake my dirty laundry uh, as a kid i was uh, sexually abused you know i was uh, i was a strong kid like you know strong will independent uh, but i was still a kid you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. i was running amok and a sexual predator like uh, got his hands on me so to speak you know and he was a afghan war veteran with a medal for bravery imagine that you know and he was a fucking maniacal uh, manipulator you know so be, between Knut uh, and yeah, between the candy and a whip, he was able to convince me what, what he's doing to me is normal. And uh, once I started to get a little bit older and realize what's going on, I'm like, fuck you, guy. And then he said he'll kill my parents, and I know he killed people, you know? He, he, he bona fide, like, waxed a lot of people uh, in Afghanistan. So, like, I was scared for my parents' well-being. And this fucking bullshit went on for uh, a couple of years. You know, th- there is a documentary on Netflix I watched last year. I, dude, I almost cried. Because it was a girl, it was a man and a girl, and the story she said was like a carbon copy of mine. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just crazy. So what this guy, he became like a friend of the family. He, he groomed me, you know, so to speak. And uh, so uh, as a kid, you bounce shit off or whatever. But like uh, later in my teen years, after I like shook him off, I'm like, what the fuck? Am I some kind of like gay magnet? Like is something wrong with me? This man had access to many kids. He was a, a camp counselor, you know? So, and, and I'm like, you know, am I quote-unquote lucky? Out of all kids, he chose me. I'm some kind of like, you know, you know, you know, gay magnet. I'm a faggot, you know, I'm a failure. I'm not a man, which propelled me into a couple of years of like uh, drunken debauchery and uh, chasing women. I thought that's what real men do because I wanted to live up my lost years and, and prove everybody I was a man. And every time I'll have a conflict with a man, I'll fucking start fighting, you know, like a cock fighting right away. So I, I thought it was a normal behavior, man, you know? And uh, until all that uh, came to screech and halt, which was already in the States, you know? And I was a uh, force appointed to uh, anger management, which I thought was bullshit. But in reality, it was a blessing in disguise, man. It was the best fucking thing that happened to me. That's when I, I learned how to deal with my past that's where I learned the, the mechanisms of my anger, you know, and the triggers and the patterns I developed. So it basically taught me uh, teaching myself about teaching myself, if it makes any sense, you know. And uh, th- th- that was like an eye-opening experience, and uh, that changed me, you know, for the better. Wow. Thank you for sharing, bro. I I knew there was a reason why I wanted to connect with you on the podcast. And like, this was it, at least one of them. Like I I had a very similar experience when I was a kid and a very, and and it's funny because like very similar, right? Like just man whore um, and like, just like fighting, selling drugs, like kidnap, like just like going down the criminal path. And just trying to prove that, like, I am a man, like, and I didn't even realize that that was the unconscious programming for so many years. And I talked to my therapist uh, years ago, and he was like, look, there's only two directions where you can go after you're abused, and you have that kind of trauma, like sexually abused, and you have that trauma, he goes, you can totally shut down, or you get hyper fucking sexualized. 
And I was like, fuck, well, that's that's what men do. They fuck women, you know what I'm saying? So every pretty girl. And uh, and by doing so, I fucking ruined so many, not lives, but like I I was an asshole, you know, in in retrospect or whatever. Um, So like I I wish I treated women differently in my early 20s. I I did not treat them like garbage or whatever, but like, man, I I could have been a better man, you know, And and I wish... I only wish I could go back in time and I sincerely uh, apologize to some of them. Well, you can, bro, just by forgiving yourself, you know, like if you knew better, you would have done better, but you didn't. So like it is what it is. And, you know, like something that comes to me, like I've had, I've had a lot of darkness in my life, especially the last few years, like deep despair. But like, you know, the phoenix rises only from the ashes. Like you, we only realize like, the light when we've experienced the darkness like we don't appreciate it one of my you cannot emerge until you hit that rock bottom you know yeah one of my buddies made a post a few days ago and he was like you know like i wish blueberry pancakes had blueberries in every bite and if it's a blueberry pancake it needs at least 30 percent blueberries and i was like i i love you bro but like i appreciate the bites with the blueberries a lot more when there are no blueberries in the other ones such a good point man yes when it's scarce yeah absolutely anytime it's earned or rare it's usually uh you tend to cherish it more for sure so now Coming back to like your sambo and physical culture, um, did you compete a lot? Because I know in Russia they would compete a lot. Like my, my dad's a master of sports in Greco and he told me they would compete all the fucking time. Dude, it is sickening. So um, let me preface real fast. So a lot of people ask me the difference between uh, uh, Russian wrestler and American wrestler or athlete in general. There are quite a few. But one of the things, never mind the training methods and methodology or whatever, and, uh, you know, like smart training versus hard training, the most important distinction, and and I'm talking about in the past. I I don't know how things are now. Like, uh, you know, I live in America, you know. Uh, I used to train when I would go home, and now I just hang out with my family. You know, I train every fucking day. I don't need to go to Russia to train. So uh, the major difference back then was that – Sport was uh, ideologically weaponized, you know, like uh, you uh, you want to be a defender of your motherland. You want to represent your flag with pride. You want to win championships, you know. And uh, so the attitude towards sports was never recreational. It was always like professional, you know, and it was free. So if you were fucking around, the you know, coach say, just, you know, get the fuck out of here. Like if you want to train in my gym, in my club or whatever, you have to perform and you have to perform well. And moreover, as you know, or maybe not, coaches' salaries in Russia or Soviet Union would depend on the pedigree of the students. So the more students win tournaments and of more caliber the tournaments they are, the, the more money the coach gets. You know what I'm saying? So wow. it was super professional from the get-go. And, uh, and the way to, uh, to blacksmith the pedigree in combat sports is to compete, man. So we competed a fucking lot. So often we'll have like special, what we call it Atkritikavir, which translated open mat, but it's not open mat in American understanding. So open mat would be like a smoker, like a tournament where you compete so you can collect victories towards your next degree, Razriat, yeah, and then eventually mm-hmm. get to candidate con- con- master of sport, candidate master, and then masters and so forth and so on. So yeah, competition was like, you know, like, you know, twice a month or if not more frequent. Wow. Yeah. 
That's incredible. Like in house in house tournaments, right? Open mat. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a bunch of like uh, juniors, but a bunch of youth from like let's say like seven gyms, like Burivesnik, Spartak, and Dinamo, Samba. Like a smoker, smoker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be super organized. I mean, usually when I say smoker, I I, I personally imply it's like semi illegal or whatever. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Correct. But always legit tournaments, and you just uh, c- collect your victories. And uh, know that in sambo or in wrestling or any in combat sport, you, you can't get promoted unless you compete. And moreover, you can't get promoted at you unless you compete and win. And one more, moreover, you cannot uh, get promoted unless you compete, win, and beat competition of certain quality. So w- once you become first 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 grade, right? You have to beat uh, your peers. You, you can't beat like some some schmucks or whatever. So uh, it, it's a great, man, it's a great uh, tradition, I, I thought. Like, if your goal, you know, sport, if you're chasing that, you know, that uh, medal or whatever, that's one of the best systems ever, you know. And I've been around the world, and I've seen athletes and systems, and, man, the Soviet system was the shit. No sandbagging. No, uh-uh. Not, none whatsoever. Yeah. Wow. It was very developed and very refined system, very working system too, you know? Russia's definitely got some interesting stuff going on, especially now that they're allowing, like, the Muslims to come over to the United States, like Hamzat and Habib and, like, yeah. like uh, one of my teachers was like, dude, like, whoever they think is the best fighter in the world right now is not. There's a guy in Russia somewhere in the fucking mountains like training right now and he's the best in the world they just don't let him in the country dude 100 percent, man there's uh people say something in the water but there was like actually like a so there's gene type and thin type so gene type is like what, what you uh what you uh inherit inherently if i can say that and then thin type is a developed characteristic and traits so for example a boy that is born like in a, a fisherman's village is going to be, by definition, a better fisherman than the guy from the city. You know what I'm saying? Even before they start fishing. And mm-hmm. then you uh, uh, multiply by, by years and years of cultivation of machismo, masculinity, and wrestling pedigree, and you get yourself goddamn monsters from that, you know, from that region. And For because, sure. Because they're Muslims, they're not allowed to have premarital sex. They don't drink. They do not womanize. They don't smoke. There is uh, no other sublimation but uh, to do sports, so to speak, you know? And they're angry. Yeah. <laughs> when you multiply all these factors, you, you got yourself possessions, Dagestanians, Chechens, and those guys are absolute killers, man. And plus, uh, like actual uh, Slavic Russians, the nation is kind of like a, a, a study. Uh, it's getting older, right? Uh, 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 the rate of people getting older versus uh, new life coming in versus newborn is uh, reversed, so to speak. Plus fucking alcoholism or whatever, which is so sad, you know? Um, and uh, there we go. And then you have this healthy Dagestani guy who does not do any anything bad, and his dad wrestled, and his grandfather wrestled, and all his peers wrestled. So it's a blacksmithery of champions, man. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's also like fucking, what's the national sport in the United States? It's like uh, baseball. Yeah. What's the national sport in Chechnya? Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> like, Or yeah. now it's MMA. Yeah. Now it's probably MMA. Yeah. Like, And that's another thing, right? Like MMA is the national sport in those countries now. Yeah. Like it's, it's even moving away from wrestling because why the fuck would I wrestle if the competition is probably easier in MMA? Well, it's still fairly prestigious uh, simply due to Olympics. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe in the future. I know that in Russia, uh, uh, Sambo is considered, quote-unquote, national sport, and MMA is like sport of a uh, large priority. That's why the subsidy, you know, s- subsidies and help. Mm-hmm. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but a wrestling still uh, wrestling still uh, in vogue. Um, maybe MMA will take that banner a few years from now. But right now, MMA is not Olympic, but wrestling, yeah. freestyle, and Greco is Olympic. So like it's super prestigious, you know. For sure, for sure. I, it all depends on like what their uh, what their drive is. Is it yeah financial? Course, is it yes the metal? Uh huh. That too. So for sure. I mean, it, it's just cool. It's cool like seeing like Russians on the big stage um and not like clowns for 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 some time it just like it wasn't it wasn't as technical like the russian like it just didn't look as crisp in the mma scene at one for a little bit outside of fedor and arlovsky a bunch of export looked very iffy and i'm like oh my god i know we have awesome guys man yeah 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 it's like what's going on, but now we're starting to see it with like KSW and like all those like Ahmad is like raising all those guys over there. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. All right. So you move. Yeah. So you move to the United States. Obviously, financial difficulties, like trying to adjust to, to like this this rhythm, this rhythm, this American rhythm of earning and churning and burning. Um, mm-hmm. So what what got you like were you training the whole time did you take a break like, uh, there was a bit of a break man yeah uh so i did say i trained non-stop but it was a, a couple little halt nothing massive so yeah i was doing construction you know and then like i, I got in that rhythm and i'm like you know what I, I can't afford to train now not just financially but like i have time and i have desire and I started to look for uh, places, and, and I found a Taekwondo place, you know, that, where, that's where, uh, in Warwick, New York, that's where I met my uh, ex-wife. And uh, and shortly after, I came across uh, some grappling club. I'm like, oh my God, it was awesome, you know. Uh, some guy ran a grappling club. He uh, lived in Brazil. His parents, like ambassadors or something, somehow they lived in Brazil. So he was like an encyclopedia of everything, you know. And he was uh, he was the guy actually who uh, introduced me to uh, grappling style outside of sambo and Olympic styles. You know, catch wrestling, jujitsu, luta libre. He would give me like uh, VHSs, and, and that shit like blew my mind. I'm like, oh my god! So I enjoyed training with him. However, he himself was not an athlete. You know, he was like a pretty Ferrari without any gas in it. You know. Yeah, guru. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes people w- w- would come to our classes. I was very low key, by the way. I never tried to peacock or whatever, because like I learned from him. He taught me. He was not a good sparring partner, but he taught me. And like a sponge, I was getting everything. And a couple times people would come and see me warming up, and then see him, and I'm like, Yo, Vlad, you should be teaching classes, you know? Because I'll do all the fucking backflips and handsprings, and like, because that's what we do when we warm up, you know, and bridges and flip flops. And uh, after a while, I'm like, damn, man, maybe I should open my own gym, you know? And yeah. uh, so I opened up uh, Ultimate Sambo in uh, 99. It was very successful gym, like a lot of comp- competitors, like a lot of good pedigree. And uh, I uh, we ran it with my ex-wife till 2011 until the divorce. Wow. Who, who were some of like your big competitors? And did they compete in also like uh, regular grappling and jiu-jitsu too or just Sambo? Uh, everything. Uh, most people competed in like submission grappling. Uh, n- not so much jujitsu. Like we do like naga and stuff. So like mm-hmm. jujitsu like, but it would not be IBJJF per se. You know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. We would compete in uh, uh, sambo, uh, mostly nogi, couple times in combat sambo. I remember in two thousand six, uh, we uh, we were ranked number four after Lloyd Urban, Hanzo Gracie, 
and uh, Yamasaki. And it, that blew my mind because those are legit names with like a lot of affiliates, a lot of people or whatever. And here's some like, you know, virtually unknown uh, gym, Ultimate Sambo. And we, uh, because we won a lot that year, it, it afforded us to be on a fourth place, man. I was very impressed. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are big East Coast schools. Yes. Very big. Mm-hmm. So then you close, did you close that academy? Did you give it away? Uh, yeah, I kind of gave everything to my wife who ran it for ex-wife, uh, ran it for, and uh, I'm, when I'm saying ex, there's like no, uh, just a fact. I'm not, well, it's just, they're not married anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no emotional content here. Yeah. Uh, we're actually friends and everything else. So, uh, yeah, after I left, she ran it for another year and like, you know, like, you know, she had to close it down and I taught for various people, you know, uh, uh, some of whom I regret the, the very first gym that I want to teach, man, I wish I never did that. Then I taught for asylum out of New Jersey for Phil Dunlap. Phil is an absolute gentleman. I love the man and it was fun two years. But then Phil had some uh, personal problems and had to, and I would probably would stay with him too, believe it or not. But he had to move to Las Vegas due to some personal things or whatever. And after that, I taught for uh, Soul Fighters in Brewston, New York, and uh, another Soul Fighter affiliate in Beacon, New York, Mike Palladino. And it was awesome too, man. Like uh, nothing bad to say whatsoever. I love all my fellas. Uh, Paul was great and super generous. Paul, the uh, chief instructor and uh, owner of uh, Brewster. But the thing is, I had to drive hour and a half and then another hour and a half back for like one hour class. You know what I'm saying? And after after a couple of years of doing that, I'm like, man, I fucking had enough. Between like wasting time and beating up my car, I think it's time to reopen my gym, you know? And it was kind of bittersweet because everybody's so nice to me. And I, I did not want them to to think that my decision is like a betrayal. But luckily, everybody understood, man, and embraced me or whatever, you know, in my decision. And so February 1st, I opened up uh, my uh, new academy, Kulikov Grappling Academy, KGA, and uh, never looked back. I love it. I love it. Uh, wh- what are you enjoying right now about the academy? Like, what's the thing that you're enjoying the most? Uh, homegrown, baby. Homegrown. Uh, when you see uh, somebody, like, I-, I love teaching black belt. You know what I'm saying? Of course, I have some ego, whatever. So if I can introduce a good black belt to something they did not know before me, that makes me very satisfied, you know? But, dude, there is nothing like giving something to a beginner. There is nothing like seeing your white belt having his first aha experience, you know? And because, like, I'm older, I'm 45, my students are usually younger, I can impart some life knowledge and some wisdom, like most genuine sharing of wisdom or whatnot. And uh, 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 creating – so whenever you teach for somebody, it's always good. There's no, like, issues or whatever. But uh, when you have your own gym, it's like your family, bro, you know? I love my wife and my daughters. uh, uh, But, like, my my gym is my second home. Like, I I go to sleep and I think about what I'm going to be teaching in practice the next day. I miss my gals and my boys, you know? So it's, like, literally home away from home. So outside of social thing, you know, it's nice to see people progress, achieving their goals, getting better at grappling, sambo and jujitsu, man. It, it just, uh, it's very rewarding, you know. I feel myself like a like a servant, you know, and serving others uh, uh, fills me with joy. For sure. And it's so necessary, you know, like that healthy masculine energy. Like, so I say healthy masculine energy is because, of the darkness that you've experienced and the healing that's come from that. 
uh, literally forces you to become a healthy masculine energy. And that's something that I feel like is missing a lot in our society where um, it's the manifestations of the masculine are very um, vulgar, are very um, angry, are very like resentful. um, And it's, it's visible like in our society, like our society, like people are complaining about the politics going on right now, where it's just like, they're just a manifestation of like what's going on inside of people. Exactly. Which is sad and scary. Yeah. So like, I mean, I I think martial arts is, uh, and for me at least, you know, like uh, it's the thing that saved me. I would have killed myself if it wasn't for jujitsu because like jujitsu was my first major crucible Mm-hmm. Like it was where my my it, it, my where my iron was forged, uh, and then it was sharpened through other things as well. But thirteen years of my life so far, I've given to uh, jujitsu, and she's given back to me. So I'm uh, man. You're repeating a story of you know that I heard many times before, and it's amazing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it is Kung Fu, right? Like Kung Fu means practice. Yes. To practice, right? Yeah. So jujitsu is a type of Kung Fu. So is cleaning the floor, right? Like if you practice jujitsu, if you practice Sambo, that's a practice. And then from there, maybe one day people move on to practicing life as well. You know, like love has to be exercised. Like you have to tell your wife you love her. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you have to bring some discipline into that, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, same thing with uh, masculinity, man. It has to be exercised in a, in a good way, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, like uh, uh, problem solving, you know, like because like a jujitsu match is a mini conflict, and when you present it with a, a multiple dilemmas, and you have to find solution for every single one, and which is a great metaphor for life, you know. So that that's what a, a connection lies, as far as I'm concerned. For sure. For sure. It's something that comes to me with that is like, you know, everybody, not everybody, I don't want to generalize. A lot of people um, are taught to avoid suffering. Mm-hmm. No, um, suffering is good, man. Yeah. Well, because behind the suffering, behind the rock that we call suffering, behind the pain that we call suffering, maybe that's where the joy is lying. Maybe that's where the mastery is lying. Maybe that's where the excellence is lying. The happiness you know, like if you don't look there, then how the fuck are you going to know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, remember like Chekhov said that you have to squeeze slave out of yourself uh, drop by drop? Yes. Something like that, man. You, you squeeze that slave, you squeeze that little bitch out of you, man, and you have newfound respect. That's why competing yeah. is so important, you know? Like uh, I always teach my students, like you don't, you don't have to compete if you don't want to. You can be a recreational jujitero, that's fine. But if you really want to fucking progress fast, if you want to really learn a lesson about yourself, compete once, man, in your life. And it's going to be uh, uh, amounting to like one month worth of rolling and training, you know, because you learn lessons through pain, you know, and you'll never yeah. make a mistake. You never come like unprepared to defend at armbar. You never came unprepared as far as like uh, your cardio, you know. So pain is the best lesson sometimes. And For that's sure. what competition teaches you. Yeah, you want to learn about love? Go get your heart broken. But you, you know what? It's a rite of passage, bro. You know, like when we grow up, we, we break some hearts and we got ours broken and then we mend and we learn to love and move on. Yeah, 
I mean, that's so, all right, perfect. That's, that's the perfect segue, rite of passage, right? Like men, men have no fucking rite of passage. Like uh, in, in some cultures still to this day, like they have, um, I believe it's, I believe it's in Brazil, right? Um, where the young men have to go wake up in the morning and they go and like catch uh, bullet ants, which are known as the top one or two bites on the planet of any insect. Mm-hmm. And um, they catch like hundreds of these bullet ants and then they like put them in this sloth and then they like cook them in the sloth where they, it just knocks them out. And then they sew them into gloves and then they stick their fucking hands in and they have to keep them in for like 20 minutes and they can't make a noise. Huh. And awesome. then they're. And then they're swollen for the next, like, I mean, they might have thousands of bites. Like a regular human from one goes to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And these young men are like dancing and they're, they don't, they, they want to be men, you know, and they have to do it, I think, 20 times. You, uh, you want to hear a funny story about uh, Rite of Passage? Yeah. So I have this friend, his name was Oleg Savitsky. He, he, he fought Fedor twice in combat sambo, like a great fighter, man, like an, an absolute beast of a man. So uh, uh, we were talking about the rites of passage, and that was actually his idea. So I have to credit him uh, with that. And it started kind of as a joke, but the more I think about it, the more I think there is merit to that idea. So he says, uh, 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 our generation, uh, newer, sorry, not our, uh, newer generation of boys are growing up without fear of consequences, you know? They can Mm. fuck up, make mistakes, and uh, not pay for them. So he says, I think whenever a man or uh, boy reaches uh, age of 15 or 16, uh, he needs to be punched in the face as hard as possible. Mm. Number one, he learned that he will not die. You know, he'll be a, a man for that. And number two, there should be a verbiage provided with the punch. And the verbiage is, that's how mistake feels, motherfucker, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, like uh, if you have no consequences, you can say whatever you want, do whatever you want. But if you know that you have to be accountable for your words and you can get punched in the face like that, you know, that, 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 that you know, that's. Uh... So we start joking and we're like, oh, like, we can see like uh, lines of boys and you like a conveyor giving out punches left and right. So we're laughing at that. But in reality, man, that's like, that's not a bad idea. You know, man comes of age and serves in the military and gets punched in the face. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I a hundred percent wholeheartedly agree. I believe even younger, I think boys should be allowed to fight. Yeah. I think boys should be allowed to handle and resolve their problems. Yeah. Like where I'm from, I'm from Grozny. And like my father used to always tell me, he's like, bro, he's like, you have to be responsible for every word that comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. If you are not, you will die. You will get killed. And it's like, like there, a hundred percent. And you know, we see it a lot actually in in states where um, where guns are allowed. There's a lot less gun violence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Like there's there's consequences to your little fucking finger that you put up to that person that might have lost their mother that day. That's gonna pull you out of your car and destroy you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be kind, don't do shit, and don't assume anything. Yeah. Yeah. My, be kind, man. Be fucking kind. Be a fucking savage. Yes. Be willing to kill and die, but be fucking kind. Uh, another motto I leave uh, you know, for myself personally, I, I, I'm not kind to myself. I have very high standards, unforgiving high standards, but I'll be kind to other people. You know, Some people are getting ridiculed for lack of strength. And uh, I, I don't think it's a good idea. Like, I understand the merit and why maybe for some people it will work. But, you know, considering myself a strong man physically and mentally, 
as opposed to ridiculing a wicked one, I'd rather elevate him to my level, you know, by kindness. I don't hundred percent. That's what I think. I totally agree because so I, one of my like major niches, like I, what I really like, really love is like teaching kids mm-hmm. from two and a half to five years old wow, and, and older, you're but like, yeah, <laughs> like in New York, I had 120 of them. Um, when I realized like, wow, I love teaching kids because they're, they're feral. Um, they don't even speak. And I speak Spanish a little bit. I speak English. I speak Russian. So like I can, um, I can connect with them in like a feral way. And I'm, and I'm a child myself. I'm just like a big fucking, well, not big, but small kid. Um, so one of the things that would come up is like these, these kids would come in with their tough, uh, Russian fathers, um, and the kids would fucking fall and they would get hurt and they would start crying and their dads are, and, and I would come up to them and I would hug them and I would give them a kiss on their head and I'd be like, all right, go get some water, go wipe your tears, go get some water, come back. And their dads would be like, you're too soft with them. I'm like, fuck you. Like, you don't like it? Come train with me. I'll show you how soft I am. Exactly. Exactly. I'll show you how fucking soft I am. The reason I could be soft is because I can kill you. I can get away with it. I've worked my whole life to be fucking kind and soft. Yeah, yeah. Be tough on yourself and soft on others, man. Yeah. So, do, do you guys teach kids? Uh, yes, we do have teach kids. At the moment, my uh, kids' class is disbanded, unfortunately, for, you know, reason, you know, which reasons. Yeah. My adult adult classes are uh, uh, back online, not back online, but back uh, in progress. And uh, I'm having, you know, I'm having difficulties uh, pulling kids back in as of now. But Mm. theoretically, yes, we do have kids class. I love it. Kids are fun, bro. Very rewarding. Sometimes it could be challenging, but like after you're done, you're like, oh my God, it was awesome. You know, it was so much fun. Yeah, it's like pushing a rock up a hill. Yeah, great. And then... and then one day you realize, oh shit, like I'm on the other side because they're like not, they're nine now and they're like savages already. And they're so kind and nice and they're whatever you put into them because you probably spend more time with them than your, than their parents do. Of course. Yes. Like attention. Yeah. Yeah. To, to a degree, you know, yes. As far as attention goes, like uh, you, 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 you spent uh, a lot of attention on a child in uh, one hour, you know? Yeah. And you're present, you know, like that's, that's what you do. You have to be yes. with children. It's like, you're not present. Like they're going to smash their face on a wall or like some dumb shit. They're always doing dumb shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had two kids, uh, cause I would throw parties at the Academy all the time. And I had two kids hold down my stepson and spit on him <laughs> cause he was being a fucking asshole to them when he was a kid. Cause he's like, my, my dad's a trainer, so I could be the trainer. So two of them held him down and one of them spit on him. And I was like, consequences bro (laughs) that's that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) but they're kids they're four you know they're like he's annoying we're just gonna do something bad to him all right so what what does your average day look like like what does your day-to-day look like so uh i still have my construction company right so for the most part i have to go to work uh uh, luckily it's my own company so I'm, i'm you know it's somewhat flexible or whatever uh, and, uh, I'm more so busy in the summer, you know, cause I'm a roofer. So my, 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 my day, I'll go to an estimate or go, go to a job or whatever. And then I come back home, rest a little bit and start teaching. And on the times when, on the days I don't have any work, I usually uh, will have a double header. I will either roll in the morning or do some kind of strength and conditioning routine, nap a little bit. 
watch film, instructional film. I do a lot of translation, you know, and uh, so in the middle of the day, I'll catch up on all that translating, uh, administrative work, you know, as far as the gym. And then at night, I'm chomping in the bit to run and teach and, and see my boys and girls. I love it. Uh, dude, I'm living a dream. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What what time do you usually go to sleep? What time do you wake up? Uh, I wake up fairly early, uh, six o'clock or so. And uh, dude, the, 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 even if I don't sleep well at night for some reason, like once I wake up, I, there's, there's no going to bed. I will take a nap later. But mm-hmm. uh, once my eyes are open, boom, it's coffee time. And I go to bed uh, at the latest, like 11 or so. How do you take your coffee? Uh, cream, no sugar. Oof, nice. Nice. Cream, no sugar, yeah. Heavy cream, no sugar. And I like it uh, high octane, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very Russian, bro, the cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No sugar, no sugar. All right. So what do you, do you eat any specific meals? Do you eat like more of like a Russian diet? Gotcha. Good, good question. So, uh, like, um, I have good genes, you know, false modesty aside and active or whatever. So up until age of 35, I would say I ate everything, man. I ate fucking McDonald's, Burger King, all kinds of bullshit, soda. So I'll, 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 I'll eat in all quantities before practice, after practice, instead of practice right before bed. And, uh, uh, at the age of 35, I started to notice no matter how hard I train and I train pretty fucking hard, like most people, uh, I have a little, like a, like a little, uh, fat deposit. I, I, I never got to a point when I did not have a six pack. I always had a six pack, but at one point I found myself, uh, uh, being 210 pounds. That's the heaviest I ever been. And I'm like, okay, maybe no more beer and ice cream after class, you know? And uh, I started to experiment with a ketogenic diet. And by the way, in no way, shape or form, I'm promoting it. If you don't like it, I will not even argue. I don't give a fuck, you know. So uh, religion, uh, workout and dietary plans only fit one person or group of like-minded person. They're not and all. So I'm not going to argue with anybody, but ketogenic diet works for me. It works miracles. I love it. I feel great. And that's what I've been doing for uh, about uh, 10 years. And generally, like uh, like uh, four to five days out of the week, I will eat once a day. So I will wake up, I'll have my coffee with cream. Uh, uh, if I work out, I will have a shake and that's it. And then I will eat after practice. I generally eat once a day. So my breakfast or my lunches are usually a social thing. If I meet somebody, you know, then I will have like an eggs or some kind of salad with meat during the day. But uh, once a day, bro. That's awesome. Same. Yeah. Same. Pretty much. And I don't feel hungry. Some people say you should be eating uh, uh, a lot of smaller meals a day. You know what? If that works for you, like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to argue. But to me, once a day is dandy. Yeah, it's very Spartan, bro. It's very full of austerity and also lets your body heal. Um, It might not be for everybody at any given time in their life, too. That's another thing, right? Absolutely. Like I said, it only feeds a person or or, a group, even a big group of like-minded persons but it does not fit everybody. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So what, what are some of the injuries that you've gotten uh, through this? How, how old are you now? You said 45? 45, yeah. So believe 45. it or not, like I had like boo-boos and this and that. Like, um, Sorry about that. Uh, so yeah, somebody, it was, um, I'm on my wife's computer. Uh, so uh, uh, I broke a bunch of bones. Uh, but, but healed up and bounced back. I, I got hit by a car when I was 16. 
uh, and pretty much only a couple bones got broken. I was fine. And uh, my most persistent injury as far as martial arts was a uh, popped up rib, you know. So like my rib now, right now, if I lift my short up, you can see it's like disfigured, you know, it's like larger. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure it's arthritic, but nothing major until a couple years ago, man. I was wrestling with this giant, uh, not giant, he was maybe 235, a heavyweight who was ranked actually number five in 2015 in Sambo. So the guy is big and skilled. So he caught me with a throw, like with a body lock throw. And uh, I had a, I had an option of either smashing my face down or posting my, uh, my arm, you know. So mm -hmm. I posted my arm and it dislocated my shoulder. And by doing so, I uh, sheared a giant ch chunk of cartilage. I probably had the cartilage of my uh, humerus, you know. Uh, so I, uh, I, I put my shoulder back in. I was so warmed up. I you know I was dicking around with it. I had it went back in place. It was so freaky. I'm like, oh, I'm golden, you know? But then mm -hmm. a couple weeks later, I'm like, oh, shit, it still hurts. I'm like, what, what's going on? So uh, 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 X-ray or oh, MRI, whatever it was, determined that I have a floater, floating piece of uh, uh, um, cartilage. And I thought, okay, whatever, let it be there. But doctor said, you cannot have it. It's going to get lodged in, in your good tissue. It's going to cause all sorts of aggravation. It has to be removed. So it was removed. And about 10 months after that, I tore my, uh, it's like, a, it's a spot where my pack and my bicep come together. I, I shot on a single on another skilled heavyweight, right? He went for Kimura on that arm, on the same bad shoulder. And he pulled like pretty hard. What's funny, he never broke my grip. Like my, my, my grip never slipped. My, my grip was still in defensive position. But the bicep and the pack effort from catching that pull was so much that it tore something. And, like, uh, you know, my entire bicep and chest were black and blue. And, uh, yeah, bro, yeah. And now it's fucking misshaping. Like, I have a giant divot. Like, again, if I take my shirt off, I have that rip popping. And if you look at my right pack and bicep, there's, like, a fucking giant hole. And my, my my right bicep looks like a baby arm now. So my left bicep is normal size, and my right one is all weird. And I see like a ligament sticking through because muscle doesn't cover them anymore. It looks kind of freaky. But uh, you know what? If you rest, you rust, man. You just have to find uh, silver lining and plug along. Uh, you help me uh, with your stuff, you know. And uh, thank you for that, by the way. And I'm taking collagen with my coffee every fucking morning. So last time I went to a doctor to see if, if I need the surgery for that uh, torn pack and bicep, he said, you do not need it. You're just going to look ugly, you know. And uh, luckily for you, your arthritis did not uh, proceed. It kind of stopped in its tracks. I don't know whether your pills helped me with Mumio or whether whether it was uh, collagen. Um, it, 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 it's the turmeric. I'm, I'm pretty sure. It's, that, that's, yeah. My dad's, uh, my dad's um, he used to be a fucking construction worker uh -huh. for sheet metal. Uh -huh. And he had our for like fucking 30 years, bro. And he had arthritis in both wrists. He had to wrap his wrists all the time. Mm -hmm. And when I put him on a, uh, on my turmeric protocol mm -hmm. um, and changed like a few things in his diet, but mostly the turmeric protocol, because that's the thing that he was consistent with. Never again. Got you. Yeah, bro. I had like uh, this like quote unquote tennis elbow. Not a big deal. And I started taking turmeric with my uh, shakes, with my protein shakes. And after mm -hmm. moments, it disappeared, you know. I just put it in a powered form in my shake. So, yeah, those are my two major injuries. Man, it sucks because my uh, my strength is kind of still there, but the range of motion is not there. Uh, the only silver lining about that is now when I grapple, I have to be inventive because my shoulder does not move certain ways. And I have to be uh, very uh, – I have to exercise ingenuity to find a way to get where I want to go without using my normal range of motion, you know?
So yeah, well, constraint leads to art. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, but I do have a guy. Um, if you're interested, I have a guy that um, might be able to assist you. He, uh, he ultimately. Uh, sorry, Rom, I did not mean to interrupt. Yeah, you. yeah. Ultimately, I would like to uh, regrow my cartilage somehow, whatever it takes. And I'm afraid I cannot rebuild the muscle. I'm just doing like fucking crazy back exercises, push-ups, pull-ups, uh, just, you know, keeping it strong. But it, it looks freaky, though, you know. It looks he, he might he might be able to – I have two guys, actually. Uh, one guy is the guy that, put like, worked on Marcelo and put him back together, nice. um, among a lot of other people. Marcelo, um, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was training at Marcelo's, I introduced them, and, yeah, I mean, he's – he, he put me back together. Like I had four herniated discs. I tore both my rotators. I tore my hip. I tore my knee. I mean, 125 pound grappler. Um, it, it it's going to fucking like for you, it's like that heavyweight was 235. Like I, I would have to train with him too, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's fucked up. Yeah, man, I would like, uh, I did not like, uh, I'm focusing, like I said, on homegrown growing my team, but I did not completely hang up on competition yet. But to mm-hmm. be honest with you, the, the reason uh, why I don't compete right now is because, like, I'm, I'm a fucking uh, gun shy, man, you know? Like, yeah. I want to be, uh, be the best version of myself physically. And I, I, I will compete no matter what, just uh, got to find good timing. But if I can compete with a healthy shoulder and back, man, that would be so awesome. I'm going to introduce you guys. He's actually going to be on my show next week, but I'm going to introduce you guys. He, he saved my life. Uh, and I have a few other guys in New York also that. Um, Me man. Thank you. For sure. For sure. So, all right. So you live in Warwick. What kind of house do you live in? I live in an apartment, my man, for now, mm, for the last nice. 10 years. Yeah. After the divorce, like uh, uh, I'm, I'm paying <laughs> child support, which basically equates to a hefty uh, mortgage, you know. And my wife yeah. works full time too. But uh, the thing with uh, uh, income through construction and martial arts is like it's uneven. It's not it's not nine to five job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so banks don't want to look at me because my uh, income, albeit I pay all my bills, like you know, I, I you know I struggle, but I pay everything. But they want to see this like steady income, you know. So for hopefully, sure, hopefully after a few months of my uh, uh, wife's new job, she just took on a job. Maybe she'll be able to be like a pony, so to speak, like a mule to carry. I'll be paying it. I don't mind, but I need somebody with like a you know legit quote unquote income. For sure. So now this is um. Actually, what are you learning right now? Like you said, you're watching instructionals. Whose instructionals do you like watching nowadays? Uh, so, uh, dude, a uh, little excursion in history. So I was a huge uh, buff of watching videos like, you know, because I, I was uh, I was a running man. I was an affiliated jiu Like I was learning from everybody and without actually training. R- Ronin. Ronin. Like I don't I did not have a, a professor until 2015, you know. Until uh, my, my good friend, Mike Paladino, introduced me to uh, Rafael Barbosa from IGA. So mm-hmm. I received some kind of guidance, you know. So all my knowledge came from videos and I watched them all. And, you know, you watch like three or four and it's like you watch them all. But then Marcelo uh, released his one and it fucking blew my mind, man. I'm like, what the hell is that? It was so revolutionary and outstanding. And uh, but nowadays uh, there's overabundance. There's total oversaturation of quality instructionals on uh, on uh, various topics so uh, i'm pretty much like a 
uh, I consider myself like a run-of-the-mill black belt, like old-school black belt or whatever. So what I'm paying attention to right now is uh, all the game that's new to me, like Baron Bolo, De La Hiva Guard, Lapel Guard, and like inver- inversion uh, and uh, leg locks from the bottom, you know. For sure. That's what I'm looking at. I mean, Danaher. For me, Danaher changed the game when he started releasing his shit a couple of years ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I have my academy in Costa Rica. Like, I've been Ronin for, for, for as long as I can. As soon as I got my purple belt. I got my purple belt in like a year and six months, and I was so injured. I was like, I'm going to start fucking teaching. And then I've just been kind of Ronin ever since. Like, I had an instructor. Then it fell off. I had, like, it's just like... um. So yeah, fucking videos, bro. Videos and practice and training. And then, um, you know, like, like you said, homegrown, I told my guys in Costa Rica, I was like, we're only doing footlocks for the next six months. We wound up doing them for a year, only footlocks (laughs) and a bunch of fucking blue belts too. And then at first it's like, it's slow, right? Like it's a new thing. It's fucking slow. And, um, eventually like, six months, nine months, a year, we have black belts coming down that are training and my blue belts are tapping them. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Like <laughs> why ignore that part of the body? <laughs> yeah. In- intensified approach, bro. I, I totally agree. That- that's what we usually do with a uh, rotating curriculum. Like I, uh, there is a week and uh, during that week we'll only work on like a uh, Darcy. So only uh, on leg lock. So only on half guard techniques. So, you know, for so, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm into that. Is a floating curriculum on a weekly basis. It was. A, it's a nonprofit too, my academy, so I could pretty much do whatever the fuck I want. And people were complaining at first, and that was like my fear. And when I was in New York, that I would lose students if like I did this. And I was just like, nah, fuck that. We're gonna. I want to do. I want to learn, get better at footlocks. So I'm gonna fucking do footlocks. And I was like, we're only gonna do it for six months. And all I heard was like groans. Six months in, they're like, can we do another six months? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So I usually I would watch a film and I don't teach that technique. Like I have a, I finally was able. So, so when you teach somebody, when you teach at the gym, at your academy, you, like I said, I'm there to serve my students. I will jump in, in a rolling session, right? When, when, when we go live, I'll jump in and roll. But other than that, all my attention is on my people. So it's kind of hard to progress, you know? Yeah. I, I, I had to find some time for myself when like a couple training partners and myself, all we do just drill. Right, because I, I know Keith Dale maybe does not fucking drill, and I don't give a fuck whatever whatever he does. Uh, he's not of, of no relevance to me, and nothing against him. But me personally, I know I respond to high volume repetition. You know what I'm saying? So first, I would learn the move, and the first stage is just like cerebral. I have to fucking understand where leg goes, you know, and then I'll start wrapping it to a degree when it's completely automatical, and then I will implement it in my game against the whites and blues then purples, you know, and so forth and so on. So there's like a, there's a particular hierarchy of my uh, skill acquisition, you know, and that, that's how I go about it. For sure. For sure. I mean, the art of learning, right? Yeah, exactly. All right. So this is a bit of like a lightning round. Um, I'm going to ask you questions, short form, long form, whatever. If you were not a martial arts instructor, what would you be or who would you be? History teacher. Hmm. Any specific history? Uh, nothing in particular. History in general, possibly a Ketchistvena history, Russian history, but mm-hmm. uh, like world history. Uh, I went to school. Uh, my, my three last years were humanitarian, uh, literature, English, and history. 
So I would have been, uh, you know, I enjoy being a teacher. I, I enjoy uh, shaping minds. So history teacher. I love it. What is one thing you would uh, love you would love to upload into the minds of the people in the world? Accountability. What about it? Ah, be accountable for your words and actions. Perfect. Perfect. Because some people might be like, I don't pay taxes, right? And like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> All right. Um, what is the what is the book that you that you would love for people to read? Taras Bulba by uh, by Gogol. Taras Bulba. Taras what is it about? Uh, you don't know that book? No. Oh, damn. Well, uh, you're gonna have to read it. So yeah, Taras Bulba is uh, oh my god, it's it's outstanding. I don't know how well the book will hold up in English. It's it's written in Russian. Uh, it's a book of uh, uh, Kozak and his two sons in uh, Zaporozhye, in uh, medieval Ukraine. Wow, sounds like an adventure already, bro. I've been I've been some well, parts of Ukraine, so bro. Conflicts and so many like little hidden hidden gems in there. It's basically like a, a very cruel history of that time. Accountability again, choices we make, uh, love for your motherland, being a man of your word. And being uh, being a masculine, manly man, it's it's a great book. I love it. If you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? Tiger, hundred percent. Tiger. I didn't have to think about that one. <laughs> what is your favorite ice cream combination that would be made specifically for you? Uh, I'm fairly indifferent to ice cream, believe it or not. I'm lucky. Uh, but the ice cream that I fucking love eating—that's why I don't eat it no more—is Hagen does chocolate peanut butter. Mm. Classy. If you were a food, what kind of food would you be? Steak. Nice. Beef? Yeah. Nice. What is your Enneagram number? Uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> it's a it's a personality test. It's like an ancient personality test that they used in like ancient Babylon, uh -huh. ancient Egypt, uh, and a few other cultures. Um, it, it's broken up into nine archetypes. It it helped me do a lot of deep work, so I'm usually curious I, of I what other know. people are. I, I do not know. Never heard of it. I'll send it to you. It's like a it's like a little yeah. It's it's very deep. Yeah. Okay, now you are dying, right? If you are dying, which you might be. Oh, uh, yeah, that's for sure. That's for damn sure. <laughs> it's happening, man. Yeah. What is your last meal? Uh, steak. <laughs> I love it. Just steak? Any yeah, veggies? Steak and a couple of veggies, like broccoli or some kind of like medley of vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> like a good fucking frosty giant beer. Nice. All right. Last experience. Um, it could be as long as you want, as short as you want. And um, with who? L last experience? Yeah, the last experience that you would want to experience. Uh, uh, oh, it's a controversial topic, man. But like, I, I would say uh, LSD or mushrooms. Ooh, I love it. Have you ever done LSD or mushrooms? No, I, I have not. We will talk. <laughs> we will talk. Yes. Um, piece of advice for the next generation. Uh, do not try to change other people. 
change yourself instead. Mm, brilliant. The last line on your tombstone or your urn or whatever would be the marking of your life here. Regardless of Lud's a few mistakes, he was loved and he left a, he left a good legacy. I love it. Is there anything that we t- we didn't talk about or something that we did talk about that you would like to expand on that you would like the listeners to know? Uh, yes, and I'm sorry to be a bit pragmatical in that. Uh, I just launched my online uh, online uh, course, you know, like uh, Keenan, Marcelo, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mendes Brothers. Yeah. So my, my online course has a quote-unquote suggested curriculum, right? Because sometimes people like, Beginners, they do not know where to start. And I gave them direction. Obviously, you can take less or add more to that. But I uh, generally offer a takedown, guard pass, guard sweep, unlock, leg lock, and choke. I know a few of them. And they go in a progressive order from simple to more complex, from white belt to brown belt. And over and above that, I post a technique of the week, Gionogi. Sometimes I will take requests. I post uh, physical exercises. I call it toolbox. And I post some striking stuff, okay? Because like a, a, a curriculum by itself is going to be learned sooner or later, so you need uh, to keep uh, to keep uh, uh, content fresh. And uh, you know, I would like uh, listeners to know that uh, I think it's a great service, and it's only twenty bucks a month as opposed to normal twenty five. I want to stay competitive, so uh, subscribe. You can jump off anytime. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we're going to include the links in the podcast. And yeah, I mean, definitely in my experience, um, doing jiu-jitsu and with students, um, it's overwhelming. It's yeah. overwhelming. There's so much content that it's incredible that you made uh, uh, a hierarchy yes. of, let's say, techniques that they need to learn in order to progress. Because um, like more isn't better. <laughs> Absolutely. faster isn't better stronger isn't better better is better yeah method is better yeah so yeah it's incredible so i mean thank you bro thank you so much for joining me um it, it was truly a pleasure to connect and to talk and to hear your story bro thank you for sharing likewise likewise thank you for being a great listener thank you for giving me this wonderful opportunity to share my stories and uh, uh, thank you for letting me plug in my uh, business end of the. Oh, of course, bro. Of course.